from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And here we go. It's Locked On Chiefs, and it's a brand new week. A couple of division games, divisional games, have gone off in the AFC uh, some things that we're pretty much expecting, but still some things to talk about. Um, we're going to have that for you today. We're going to talk about the Chiefs coaching staff and what's going on with it. A couple of changes to this point. Uh, we're going to look deeper at that as well as uh, tomorrow. We're going to have some more topics down the line about maybe what should be happening that we haven't seen come to fruition yet. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics. We're going to have a special for you on the Rogue Analytics product, the main athletic matrix guide uh, from last year. So you can get a preview of what that's like as we get ready to go into draft season. So keep an eye out for that. And I am Chris Clark. I am a I am the managing editor of LockedOnChiefs.com, and I am a staff writer at Arrowhead Addict. Thank you for joining us. Uh, and this is going to be a... Interesting week because Kansas City has not made any changes to their defensive staff at this point. Yeah, and that's just, man, I I think we'll cover that a little bit more in depth because that's going to take a lot more going over. But I'm a little concerned uh, at the self-evaluation process uh, that's going on. Uh, Matt Nagy's hiring by Chicago made the offensive piece of it uh, obviously uh, more pertinent because it it was something that had to be dealt with right away in that he was leaving initially. Um, The defensive staff maybe has been put on the back burner, which I think is a a real problem. Um, But today, how are we feeling particularly about the elevation of Eric Biennemi? I feel pretty good about it. I I think it's still a good move for them. I think that he's going to be a good – Offensive coordinator, I think he gives them something different in the room uh, away from what Reed would normally want to do. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and it's obviously a, a prominent voice given his title at this point. Um, I, and I, I've seen some people talking online, and, and I want to talk specifically about his time when he uh, worked under uh, as OC under John Embry at Colorado. Um, it was in the early, I think it was 2010, he joined that staff. They lasted two seasons. Embry was not successful uh, as a head coach, and the entire staff was let go. Um, and Biennemi was the offense coordinator on that team. Uh, now, Embry is a run-first guy as well. Um, so I- I'm particularly looking at that experience for Eric Biennemi in how to call a game as probably he learned more what not to do than what to do. Well, and we're talking about him being the OC, and I have to ask the question, is he really even going to be in the position to call plays this year? I'm not sure that he will be. I, I completely it, agree. With offensive you. coordinator. I think it's just offensive coordinator in title, not necessarily in action. And that's something that's, that we definitely need to address uh, because that's the reality of the situation. This is not coming and be Matt Nagy. I mean, it took Doug Peterson years to be able to call plays with Andy Reid, and I think that's that's the thing. At the end of the day, the people that are concerned about the process, I think that's what you got to look back on, but. I think what he was able to learn at Colorado set him up to understand balance more because they were run heavy, but they didn't have a passing attack that was useful. Uh, it was a brand of the West Coast um, that obviously is an offshoot of what Andy Reid does, but by far was it not a balanced attack. Uh, and I lived here at the time. I saw those games locally on TV and was came away very, very unimpressed with the staff at the time. Um, but at the same time, I didn't blame – Eric Bieniemy, uh, because I, I didn't feel he had enough to work with, and 
basically, I see this position as like Doug Peterson was prior to calling plays, like Matt Nagy was prior to calling plays. He is a guy that is responsible for the offense as, as a number two. Andy Reid is still going to call the plays. Uh, he, I don't think he'll have that opportunity anytime soon. And with Andy, you're always going to have the pull to the passing side. So I don't have to think that there's any reason to worry about balance if and when Eric Bieniemy does get to call plays. And in the next few years, I, I don't think that they're going to be heavily slanted one direction or the other. Well, we can hope, but you know, time will tell. Andy's got his tendencies. If the enemy can at least get him away from his tendencies, I think they'll be in better shape because if they run the ball more and they use the what should be a substantial running attack, if you think about it, with Kareem Hunt and Spencer Ware, uh, that should be a very good running attack for them. Yeah, and that's what I'm most excited about because now you have Andy Reid being Andy Reid who wants to throw the ball first to open up the run game, which we've seen this season work in spurts, but if you look at what's happened on, through these playoffs, you realize that despite this being a quote-unquote passing league, running the ball is extremely important and maybe the the foundation that the passing game has to be set up on. So now you have a strong voice, and, and if anybody who hasn't heard Eric Bieniemy speak to his players in particular, but players in general, uh, he has a very strong voice, a loud voice, and a guy that believes with conviction in what he does in the running game, uh, and particularly in teaching his running backs how to pick up blitzes and protect the quarterback in the pass game. I think now you have a little bit more yin-yang uh, because Peterson was a, a QB guy. Nagy was obviously a QB himself and a QB guy. So you had the, the Brad Childress, spread guy. You want to throw the ball. Everybody in the offensive, you know, top circle who might have influence on on game day in terms of the play calling uh, was pass first in their inclination. I think having the balance of Eric Bieniemy is probably really, really important. And I hope that we continue to see the trend where the the run game is relied on more so than it has been in years past. Well, and that would be a good thing for Kansas City. I really think that you know I've seen Eric Bieniemy at training camp, he is a very fiery personality. And if you think that uh, the Chiefs offense didn't have fire, they definitely will under Eric Bieniemy. The running backs uh, obviously respect him. Uh, you know, you've seen multiple things on social media, which, uh, you know, generally that's going to be pretty positive. But it's obvious to me from looking at the way the team treats him and his running backs treat him, they really respect the guy. Yeah, and and that's key uh, because respect is what's going to be fundamental. I still expect him to be in the running back's room. Um, but when you have a back like Spencer Ware who was successful and obviously what Kareem Hunt's done, balancing those expectations and those needs uh, becomes more important. And that respect is what allows you to manage personalities like that and athletes like that that really could put the team or the position at least on their back. Um, and I think balance and a mixed attack with these guys is, is something that's really exciting for 2018. Absolutely. And I think that they will be more balanced. And I think that you're going to see a different offense next season, um, not just because of who the QB is going to be, but also because of who those offensive coordinator is going to be. I think that you're going to see an offense that's going to be a little bit more uh, run-oriented just because Eric Bieniemy's you're going to be your offensive coordinator, but also because it's going to help Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Protect Pat Mahomes from having 
to sling it like he did in college when he was constantly down, when he had a defense that couldn't stop anybody. And believe me, we're going to talk about the defense here in the next couple of days. But um, I, I think the run game protects – we we absolutely have to. I'm sorry, it's gonna hurt, folks, but we are gonna talk about it. I don't want to. Go there. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you. It's gonna protect Pat Mahomes from having to do too much, um, which is probably his inkling. Um, so I, I like the idea of of hopefully you can not have him throwing 25, 30 times a game. I'd like to see him in the in the 20 passes a game range, and maybe those particular plays you can get more quality out of them if you can run the ball and not have to use the quantity of them yep yeah and i think that again with those two running backs i think you're going to see a lot of productivity uh but you know you also have to get questions answered on the offensive line yeah i did eric fisher take a step back this season probably um Mitch Schwartz, I thought, continued to be on par. I'd like to see him play better, um, but I can't really complain. LDT, if he hadn't missed time due to injury, I think would be fine. I'm looking for him to take another step forward. Uh, I I see him actually becoming a key cog here because the question is going to come with the other two positions. Do they keep Zach Fulton? Is it possible? Uh, I think what you've seen is that he has that – uh, that nasty streak. Yes, he's not the athlete, but at center, we've seen him play much better than at guard. And I think he can set them up to have that interior run game that they need to have. Uh, and maybe it's worth keeping him if, if they can get him at a, a salary uh, that, that's feasible for the team. That's the big question mark to me. Uh, and if that happens, then you're looking at Mitch Morse going over to left guard. And I think that's the best scenario for him as well. Do you like that or would you rather see them go a different direction? Well, I think that's probably going to end up being the direction they try to go if they try to keep Fulton. Really, the question to me becomes, uh, you know, with Eric Fisher, you know, yes, he probably took a step back this year, but what did we, what have we seen from him in his career? Generally speaking, he takes a step back when he feels like he has to help the person next to him, and I think that's where he was all season this year. I completely agree. Brian Witzman is not good enough to start in this league, in my opinion, especially against a zone for a zone scheme team. And I, I wanted to think that Parker Anger was going to get there. Clearly, he was not able to make any progress due to his injury. So I, I'm going to put him right now, and, my perspective on him, he's a backup. Well, and that's fair, but I will say this. You have to also take into account that not everybody recovers from injuries the same. So don't just assume that he won't be back or that he can't get back. Um, everybody recovers from ACL injuries differently. So give him a full off season. I think he's going to be in a great position, uh, especially considering he can actually work out this off season more than he could have last year. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. But at this point, I have to consider him a backup because what we've seen to this part, even if he does get a bit stronger in the offseason, I can't see him starting as a good thing for this team. I can't see Witzman being a good thing. So now we're down to Jordan Devy, I think, is a free agent as well, and I don't think he's going to be on this roster. Someone will probably give him a contract. So as far as I'm looking at the offense, the number one need for this team is a starter level, starting caliber left guard. And there's a number of them in the draft, and I will not be surprised, despite the needs that are on defense, and we're going to talk about those, uh, guard is specifically the number one need for me on offense. Well, I don't know how you could choose any other position. Uh, I think that if you could get a guard that could come in and be better than replacement level, uh, better than average, I think you would see a huge step up across the offensive lines 
in general as well. Well, and I'll tell you one other scenario. If we're going to talk about the guards, since we have a little bit of time for it, I would like to know what John Dorsey really thinks of his roster. Uh, because his initial reactions that he did walk back were that he didn't feel he that the previous regime had gotten a lot of quote-unquote real players. And if that's the case, I want to see specifically if John Dorsey feels that Joel Batonio is, is a player that he can part with uh, as part of a trade for Alex Smith. Uh, I would like to see him rolled in there. Now, he has signed a, an extension, I believe, at around the th- four-ish per year level. Um, I do need to check that. But uh, he's a guy who, who's, in terms of grades, PFF graded him pretty well. I think he was on their, uh, uh, one of their higher graded guys, maybe an honorable mention on their uh, on on their selections for Pro Bowl or, or whatever they do. Um, obviously not there in, in reality for the, the normal process, but he's a guy that was super athletic coming out of school. He's been able to make his way so far on a, on a terrible team. Um, he has had an injury or two, but nothing drastic. And I think he's a guy that has a nasty streak that I liked coming out of school. I'd love to see him in some way, shape, or form, kind of a package deal maybe to get Smith gone and, and bring the left guard that you need over. Joel Batonio is a target for me in this offseason. Well, anything that you can get that's going to strengthen your running game, you're going to be a, a fan of, and that would be, uh, you know, Batonia, I think, would be a great move, whether or not Kansas City thinks they can afford it and whether or not they think they're going to get value uh, trading Alex Smith for him. I don't know. Um, you know, Obviously, to me, you would free up almost four, $13 million in cap this year, but I don't know what his cap hits are the next couple of years. If it's only three, if it's only three or $4 million, I mean, that's not too horrible. Uh, you know, It's definitely something to take a look at. Uh, they, they need to upgrade that position, and if they can go and do it and get a guy like him, uh, that'd be good for them moving forward. Oh, except I'm a liar. I just found his contract, and he's uh, he's going to be six million against the cap in 2018, uh, seven the year after, eight and a half after that. So basically, a, a very similar level contract to LDT. Um, he's 26 years old, so you would think you would not extend him probably beyond that. But uh, that's a pretty hefty load at that point. Maybe that's more cash than they want to spend on another guard. Probably. But, uh, you know, if you're going to bring back Fulton, are you going to pay him less than that? I mean, you could hope so. you could, hope you could, but I don't know that he's going to sign a contract for uh, less than that. I think somebody's going to offer him a lot more money than we expect him to get. Yeah, I, I agree. There's going to be, you know, a, a power scheme team or a man team that just wants to see him road grade. Uh, and I, I agree with you. Somebody will pay him, but I don't know that it'll be the Chiefs. Now, the guy that probably wants to see him the most is the guy that replaced Eric Bieniemy. Uh, and coach, I don't know how to say your first name, so I'm just going to say Dylan McCullough is his name. Uh, a guy that Eric Bieniemy is familiar with, a guy that's had success at the college level, uh, was a player for a short time in the NFL. And uh, I, I think when you look at a, a college coach coming into the NFL, you, you look at his players, the players that he's coached and what they've been able to do. And obviously running back is dependent on their offensive line. And when you're at a big program like uh, USC, you probably have a, a good group of linemen. But his running back, Ronald Jones, um, ended up first team Pac-12, uh, finished with 1,500 yards on the ground uh, for a 5.9 average. And I think that's something that you can build not only a resume, but uh, but something that veteran players can look at and say that you've coached someone as good as us, uh, and they can they can roll with it. 
Well, and I think, you know, you're still going to have the enemy there and the running backs are going to fall in line with uh, anything that he is going to say because they already respect him. So I think it's going to be something that's going to be good for Kansas City moving forward. Uh, I'm very excited. He comes highly regarded. A a lot of conversation uh, from analysts and other coaches around the league um, applauding the hire. Um, So hopefully – I know he played with Eric Bienmi. Uh They were on the same roster uh, in Cincinnati, I believe, for a couple of years. Uh, and if if Eric Bienmi has that much faith in him to do the job that Eric's been doing, I got to think that that's a good sign. Hopefully he brings that same kind of energy uh, to the room as well. Well, and, you know, not only did the – not only did the enemy make that hire quickly, they moved on it quickly. He was brought in for an interview, and I think he was hired pretty much immediately uh, after the interview. So that really means that Kansas City really wanted him. Uh, it sounds like he was their go-to target to be their next running back coach. And, you know, that makes sense to me because you're not going to find probably great talent uh, to take over the, those positions uh, that's left at the, that is going to be allowed to interview at this time of year anyway. Yeah, uh, I agree. In the NFL. And the other thing that I like is he's got a couple of other players. He was at Indiana for a while, six years, I believe, um, and has other uh, a couple other guys that made it into the league and have had some success. And and they're not the same style. That's what I like is he's not just a power back coach or something like that. Uh, he's got Tevin Coleman, who he coached there. He's got Jordan Howard. He even had Devin Redding, who we talked about on the Chiefs practice squad for quite a while. So he's got a diverse style of running back that he's coached well enough to elevate them to the league. Yeah, it's a great look for Kansas City, and I think they're going to be in great shape moving forward. Uh, they have a very talented group of running backs, uh, and it's going to be intriguing to watch and see how they perform this year because, you know, you have to wonder with uh, Spencer Ware and Kareem Hunt, where's, you know, how does that leave the rest of your offense? Um, you know, are you going to keep Charkandrick West? Uh, you know, because you would think you'd want to keep Akeem Hunt as well. Um, but, you know, how many running backs are you going to really be able to keep? And that's really a question. Uh, I, I would have liked to see Akeem Hunt get more carries uh, specifically for this reason so they had a better idea of what they were getting to. I believe he's a free agent, unrestricted. Um, I have to verify that. But we'll see whether he comes back because you're right. Spencer Ware can carry the load. Kareem Hunt can obviously carry the load. What does that mean for his future? Yeah, it's hard to know at this point. I, I think – this roster is going to change a lot. You know, we, we talked about guard. Is there any other position on offense that you really want to see him go out and get? I don't – I wouldn't mind a secondary receiver, um, but I think that there's so much potential still in the group that they have. Um, really, it would be about finding someone who you feel uh, can supplement in the next couple of years. Um, because if you lose Albert Wilson and you or you choose not to, to bring him back, um, you're talking about a guy who knows the offense very well and has had some success in it. Which, uh, as a role, by player, the way, uh, I did see uh, Jason OTC did comment and say that he thinks he's going to get a four million dollar contract, four million a year. Uh, to me, that's too much to pay Albert Wilson for what you're going to want him to do on this team. Um, but that's my own personal opinion, and you know we'll see if that's what Kansas City thinks. Yeah, we'll see if Brett Veach agrees. I, I'm borderline at that level. If that's if that's what he gets, if that's truly his market, uh, that might price him out of Kansas City. But but you have Demarcus Robinson. You have Chris Conley coming back from injury. 
um, who we've seen, oh, man, we've seen a lot of Achilles injuries in the last few years in Kansas City. And that's something we're going to investigate over the offseason as well. Well, but, I, I just want to say the one thing that we haven't seen that we're going to have to – it's really hard to know how it's going to end up. But you look at how Alex Smith played. And there was a great stat, and I wish I had it uh, in front of me right now, but I don't. I think it was something like Alex Smith's passes. The receivers that he threw to had an average of like 3.49 yards of separation, which was highest in the NFL. Mm. Uh, League average is 2.9 yards of separation when you're getting targeted. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, his one game, 2.75 yards per target. Um, right. To me, I don't think wide receivers as big of a need as some people think it is because I think you're going to see a guy like Demarcus Robinson and a guy like uh, Chris Conley get used a lot more with a guy like Patrick Mahomes taking the snaps and being the guy in Kansas City. I, I agree. And that's the thought going forward for me is I, I don't know that you need Albert Wilson back. You have both of them. Uh, I mean, truly, I, I think you can get by with Demarcus down in the slot more uh, as that particular role because I think you want Chris Conley on the outside. Um, you know, losing him was was more influential than originally thought. Getting him back gives them a true X, uh, a guy that they can count on in third down. I don't want to call him a possession receiver because he runs a, a, a sub 4-4 four, four as well. He can get down the field, but uh, it's an aspect of the passing game that they're going to need for him. So what I'm looking for is as those guys' contracts come up in the next couple of years, who's going to be underneath them ready to step up? And I think that's uh, draft-wise in particular uh, or possibly uh, lower-cost uh, free agent, somebody they'd be, be looking to get in that fourth or fifth position. And that's going to be it for us today, folks. We're going to come back. We have a couple of things lined up for tomorrow. We're going to talk about Alex Smith. But thanks for being with us today, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review and reach out to us on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time.